Welcome to Shadow Work. What the fuck? If you've been thinking, uh, what the fuck is Shadow Work and how does it help me? You're in the right place. This is your go-to podcast that will answer all your questions as well as give you the tools to dig into your shadow so you can set yourself free from the bullshit holding you back and finally start manifesting that juicy as fuck life I know you've been dreaming of. I'm your host, Caitlin Hosking, the shadow work queen and coach to fierce as fuck women who want to heal their shit so they can drop the self-sabotage and take control of their futures. I know shadow work can feel a little bit scary, so if you're new here, don't stress. I'm here to demystify the spook and bring some fun to the heavy. So get ready to learn, cry, laugh, and finally understand why the fuck you do what you do so you can quit playing small and start manifesting those big dreams. So without any further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hello, my darlings. Welcome back to another episode of Shadow Work. What the fuck? Today, we are talking all things self-sabotage. And this is one of my favorite topics. For those who haven't followed me for a long time, I used to call myself a self-sabotage coach before I called myself a shadow work coach. And the reason I moved from self-sabotage to shadow work is that I found that shadow work is the thing that was really underpinning why people were self-sabotaging. But what we recognize the most is not the shadow, but it is how we are self-sabotaging. And for some of us, we may not even realize what we are doing is self-sabotaging. And so I want to talk about this today because I know how helpful it is to bring awareness to just like little things in our life that may be stopping us from achieving what we want to achieve, and that could be anything from goals external to you to achieving how you want to feel on the inside. And of course, achieving goals is always about how you want to feel on the inside. And this can sometimes even make you realize and help you realize, oh, wow, like what I've been searching for doesn't actually exist in those goals that I was trying to achieve external to me. It really exists in the way I'm treating myself and the way I show up for myself and all of those sorts of things. So what I'm going to go through today is what is self-sabotage, what it can look like, why we do self-sabotage, and then how to solve this. Of course, if you don't know, I am currently marching, launching (laughs) my self-mastery. That's why I got got launching and mastery mixed together and we got marching. So I am launching my self-mastery accelerator and it's all about moving from self-sabotage to self-mastery. So if you resonate with what I'm talking about today and you're like, I really want to master myself and master uh, my behavior and my emotions and my mindset so I don't sabotage myself anymore, then this is absolutely for you. So make sure you check that out. The link is in my show notes. But apart from that, let's jump in. So what is self-sabotage? Basically, self-sabotage is any behavior that undermines your success and well-being. And I would even expand on that of not just behavior, it can be thought patterns, right? You could have thought patterns and emotions. And one thing we've been talking about a lot recently in the coaching spaces I hang out with is this concept of like emotional and um mental masturbation. (laughs) So sometimes we just like keep going around with these emotional patterns or these mental patterns that actually don't serve us, that don't leave us feeling empowered, feeling positive, feeling optimistic and feeling good about ourselves. And when we keep doing those sorts of things, it leaves us sabotaging the way we want to feel. So that's undermining our success and well-being through masturbation in a slightly different way 
way, sense of the word. <laughs> and the other way that we can look at this, and this is a little bit punchier, like for me, it would kind of shake me a little bit to hear this. So warning, but it's a form of psychological, emotional and physical self-harm. Yeah. And when I say that, it can be hard to hear of like, oh, you know, self-sabotage and then putting it under the self-harm banner can feel almost disorientating in our mind because we often think of self-harm as the extremes of things or drug addiction or alcohol addiction or cutting or, you know, those sorts of ways that people self-harm that are often very obvious to see. Whereas these little things that we do to ourselves are self-harm, right? Because they're harming our well-being. So just something to really sit with and percolate on and go, okay, cool. Like, how am I harming myself in stopping myself from getting to where I want to be? And it's not an easy conversation to have with ourselves, but step one of any of this work always starts with awareness. So what can it look like? I have a long list. I always have a long list of what it can look like because I've seen the way that sabotage manifests for so many different people and it's such a big spectrum. And I say spectrum because as I said just before, like we can see the more obvious things like self-sabotaging with addiction or physical self-harm or something like that is very, is on the like more extreme end of that spectrum. And then we've got the more subtle things that just eat away at our self-esteem and eats away at our confidence. It eats away at what we think we can and can't do. So the first one, which is the most obvious is not saying no to things when you're emotionally, mentally, or physically exhausted. This one's for my people pleasers. (laughs) Yeah. We so easily overstep our own boundaries And we keep pushing and going and giving and giving and doing and always like outwardly focused on the world and what we have to do rather than tuning in to what do I actually need? And this may not feel like sabotage in the short term. This is the sneakier one, but it's when it builds up and we end up resenting everyone around us, resenting ourselves, feeling exhausted, getting burnt out. If we have that much stress from giving so much and never giving to ourselves, it can then start to impact our physical, uh, like our physical health as well. So it can impact our gut health, like stress levels, the cortisol levels. It can have many different ways that it starts to break down our body. And they say that stress is the silent killer and it's silent because we don't feel it and see it until it creeps up on us. Right. The next one, not saying yes to things when you know it's what you want. This generally, when we don't say yes to things, even though we know it's what we want, we're generally coming from a place of fear or deserving or deservingness, worthiness. Yeah. So it's like, well, I know that I want that, but I don't feel like I deserve it. I know that I want that, but I don't think I can handle that. So we sabotage our success of what we really desire out of this really low self-worth or a lot of self-doubt. Another one, eating ways that don't serve you. And there is no like good or bad foods. Let's just take that out of our vocabulary because if you eat chocolate, like you're not, a lot of people will like eat a food and then associate their self-worth or 
uh, how good they are in this world based on what they eat. And it's like, no, like (laughs) there's nothing bad about chocolate. It's delicious. It's when we eat so much of the foods that actually don't serve our health. That's when it becomes a problem. And it becomes a problem because genuinely like dietary disease is the number one killer in Australia. It's actually trumped tobacco and alcohol, which to me is crazy. And that just tells me like there's so many of us who are making decisions for our health from a place of not feeling like we should or we've got like underlying trauma that's driving us to grab for food and fill ourselves up in a way that just gives us that quick hit, that instant gratification. But long term, we know it's affecting and harming us. And food is probably the biggest way I see people sabotage. And it's one of the ways that when we get on top of it, again, it's not about never eating chocolate or having a perfect diet because that also doesn't serve us, right? If we're eating so restrictive and so like, I have to eat a certain way if I eat anything off this and then we like break ourselves every time we like break what, like trying to healthy eat or something, then that also doesn't serve us. And that's inflicting psychological harm because we're shaming ourselves. We're guilting ourselves, So when I say in eating ways that don't serve us, it's looking at a broad spectrum. Am I actually in balance here? If I'm beating myself up for what I'm eating, well, let's just work on the underlying reasons of what I'm eating, why I'm eating it, and the shame and guilt around that and clean up the internal world. And then the external world will start to clean up because you will feel like, wow, like my, I can feel my body. And for me, like I eat good food and healthy food genuinely because I want to feel good in my body. I want to feel healthy. And I know when I eat a lot of junk food, it's not that it's like I'm bad for doing that. It just makes me feel like shit. and I don't want to feel like shit. Yeah. So it's just going great is how I'm eating serving me. And if not, what's really going on here? Next one, procrastinating on the things that you know will help you achieve your goals. So you've said yes, and you know what you want, and you're like, this is my goal. But then you're like, oh, I've got all of these little things. I've got to study, or I've got to do a course, or I need some coaching around this, or I need to, for business, like you might need to write an email or do an Instagram post or put yourself out there. And you're just like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. It's very obvious self-sabotage and is undermining mainly your psychological and emotional well-being because every time we push something back and we just keep like making excuses of why we can't do it or why we need to wait we are just eating away at our self-trust we're eating away at our self-esteem and our confidence in ourselves. and over time we will think that well I just don't have it in me I just can't do it and eventually we do give up the next one is blaming everyone else rather than taking responsibility for yourself this is one of the biggest ways that I see people self-sabotaging in a way that they don't realize they're self-sabotaging because we're externalizing our power and it feels really legitimate. And this is like, oh, I can't do that because of my boss or because of my partner or because of my kids or because of my friend or because of my past or because of this or because of that. Like I can't do it because of something outside of myself. And the beautiful thing about that is that we feel really justified in it. And it's easy to hold on to that because it makes us feel 
like guilt or shame about ourselves when we have to take responsibility. And we often go into like this spiral of, oh my God, like, what have I done? This is all my fault. And then we internalize that blame and can fall back into a very similar cycle, still not doing anything. So when we notice, okay, where do I put my power? Where do I make excuses for myself and hand that to other people and then take it back? We have to be very mindful of, again, not falling into psychological harm of that blame and guilt cycle within ourselves. So it's like responsibility without the shame. So that's just going, it is what it is. And I'm taking my power back. I'm taking this responsibility so I can move forward, not so I can make it worse. All right, perfectionism. Hello, ladies, especially. (laughs) Perfectionism, the reason that it kills us and sabotages us is there's nothing wrong with having high standards. And there's a difference between perfectionism and high standards. For me, like, I like my things to look a certain way and I like them to feel a certain way. And it's important to my brand and my business that it is like that. But what used to happen is that my standards were so high and like I was, it wasn't even high standards, it was such perfectionism that I wouldn't get anything done because I was like, it doesn't look exactly right. Like what happens if someone notices this or this happens or blah, 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 blah. And so I wouldn't get things out there in my business or I would start fights with my partner because like the kitchen wasn't completely clean down to like the last spec wasn't perfect enough. And it took away from me being able to move forward in my goals and how I felt in my relationship and all of those sorts of things. So the other way that perfectionism can come in is also stopping you from doing anything to start with. Because we sometimes have this weird like dual story of I want it to be perfect, but I'm not good enough to make it like that. So I'm just not going to do anything. So it's like this unworthiness and perfectionism like collide together into nothingness (laughs) and we learn through doing we learn through making mistakes so we can have our high standards but don't let those high standards be the reason you don't do anything I was looking at I was like doing a call with my mentoring clients the other day and we're like looking at some stuff on Canva and I scrolled all the way back to like long time ago And they're like, wow, like you can really see how far you've come with, you know, using Canva and putting things together and making things look creatively and in a creatively good. I don't know. Anyway. And I was like, yeah, but I wouldn't have gotten to where I am like using Canva and designing things if I hadn't made all of those mistakes and learned what I liked and what I didn't like early on in the piece. So it always comes through taking those steps and It doesn't matter if later on you look back on it and be like, oh my God, why? Like, why, Caitlin? Why did you have pink and white everything? (laughs) All right, imposter syndrome. My personal favorite of self-sabotage for a long time, especially in my business, was imposter syndrome and being like, I don't know enough. And there's lots of different types of imposter syndrome. And I just got a download before of I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on imposter syndrome because it's very prevalent, especially for women, um, obviously also for men. But it is something that really, again, eats away at how we feel about ourselves and what we do with our lives and what we put ourselves into. If we have a lot of imposter syndrome playing out, we generally play really small and really safe. And it's this story of, I have to know enough. I have to be enough. Like I have to basically be something 
different to what I am. And because I feel like I'm faking it and people think that I am who they think I am or something like this, but inside it feels like a lie and I'm scared they'll find out. And then we go and a lot of the time, like when we have imposter syndrome, we also have perfectionism playing out because we're like, I needed to be perfect. So people don't see that I'm actually an imposter. And we like drive ourselves into burnout, into hustle, into all of these things to like look a certain way when we don't feel that way. And noticing like, where do you say in your life? I don't know enough to do X, Y, and Z. Like, is that true? And sometimes, yeah, it's true. Right. When I wanted to do breath work, I was like, I actually don't know enough about this and about the trauma side and what can happen to just go and do breath work. So I'm going to go and learn and get certified because that is what's going to help me go to this next level and make sure that not just I'm safe, but like everyone that I'm guiding is safe. And then there's times where I'm like, oh, I can't do this course or like launch this course because I don't know enough. And it's like, is that fucking true? And if I look back on my own ability of, you know, what I've guided myself through and what I've guided other people through, I'm like, no, that's not true. That's just my mind playing out and my self-doubt. So I will then step out of the imposter and into my power of actually I can do that. Last few. Okay. Dwelling on mistakes and ruminating on negative thoughts. This is psychological harm. What I was saying before, just like going around and around in circles. Oh my God, like this is a mistake I've made. I'm not good enough. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. I'm so bad for this. Blah, blah, blah. Like when we just keep going around in these thought patterns that actually leave us feeling like shit every single day. And it's not that we can never have a negative thought. I have negative thoughts all the time. The difference for me now is that I don't ruminate on these thoughts anymore. I don't masturbate over these thoughts anymore I just go okay cool these are the thoughts coming up they they feel intense I can feel them in my body what can I do to move through this and then go to last week's episode when I said journal get into my body and conscious distraction right there's no point in me harming myself through my thought patterns when they're just thoughts are they fucking reality no (laughs) are they actually me no they are just a thought and I'm witnessing that Suppressing your emotions. This is emotional self-harm because it may not feel like it's harming you at the start, right? Because we're like, ha, like I've gotten rid of that feeling. It doesn't matter. Um, I've avoided it. I've suppressed it with something. But they get stored in your body. And so this starts to create physical self-harm over a long period of time, creates more stress in the body. Um, it also makes us much more reactive. It makes us much more prone to burnout and to triggers and to also how we feel about ourselves. Because when we're suppressing so much, we can often end up feeling like we're in a pressure cooker. And when we're in a pressure cooker, then these negative thoughts start to come up as well. And so we end up in this cycle of like, I have all these emotions and all these thoughts and we suppress them more and more and more. And as with anything we try to put in the shadow, it eventually the lid will pop off and we lose our fucking shit. We start screaming at our children or our dogs or our partners, or we just end up like breaking down or I don't know, like there's so many different things that can happen when we suppress our emotions. And if it's not an outward thing, if we suppress them for long enough, that can contribute to depression, right? We just don't feel anything. We just feel flat and like lifeless. 
And so like going in, it can be really scary if you've experienced depression to go in and start feeling your emotions because we're like, I'm scared it's going to make me worse. But what happens is that when we're suppressing emotions, we don't just suppress like one emotion or the other, right? You can't just suppress. I think I said this on the, um, when me and Jonna did our episode, but you can't just suppress like joy, happiness. No. Why would you want to suppress that? You can't just joy. (laughs) You can't just suppress the negative quote unquote negative things or uncomfortable things like sadness, depression, anxiety, grief, anger, and turn on the joy, the pleasure, the bliss. It is like one dial. So if you want to feel those bigger emotions, then get really comfortable with moving through those more intense, uncomfortable emotions. And then you'll get access to those bigger ones that you actually feel. And what you'll find is you'll move through a period of these harder emotions and then you'll get used to them and then they don't come up nearly as much. Or when they come up, you just it just doesn't affect you as much. You're like, well, I'm feeling a lot right now. That's okay. Here's what I'm going to do. And then you will flip back into that more calm you know, peaceful, content state. Mine used to be like, I used to be like sad and depressed and angry for like months. And then it was like a week and then it was like a day. And now usually like sometimes, yeah, it's a couple of days or I'm going through a dark night of the soul. It feels a bit longer, but generally every single day I will move through quite a series of emotions, sometimes a bit darker, sometimes a bit lighter, but I'm not getting attached to any of those. And that gives me a lot of freedom just to get on with what I need to get on with that day. Cool. Prioritizing comfort and instant gratification over long-term goals. <laughs> classic, <laughs> very classic. You know, we're like, okay, this is my goal and this is what I want. And then when something pops up that feels more exciting right now, we're like, because we don't have the dopamine and the excitement from achieving that long-term goal, or if it feels too far away, we're like, I need, I want to feel something right now. And so then we go and we get the instant gratification. And that often takes us away from our long-term goals. And so the important thing here is noticing, okay, well, what is it that I want to feel from my long-term goals? And how can I actually get that right now? And not through things that harm my long-term goals. So it's thinking, well, if I had my long-term goal, what would I be doing? Oh, I would be, I don't know, going on a holiday or uh, spending more time in nature or something like that. Rather than like push, push, push for this goal the whole time, it's going, how can I balance what I want in the future with what I can create right now? And maybe like, well, I want more money so I can go on holidays. Amazing. What do you want the holiday for? Oh, I want it for a break. Okay, well then take a break. You know, maybe you get in the car and you get a tent and go stay somewhere overnight or you go stay at a friend's house like do something that sort of creates that feeling of having a break rather than just going oh this is my long-term goal and then as soon as I'm uncomfortable I'm not feeling the way I want to feel then I grab for instant gratification that throws me off sweet you know you have a problem but you don't get any help for it and then you just say I can do it myself and you keep saying I can do it myself I can do it myself I can do it myself but you're not getting anywhere. You're not doing it yourself. This is one of the ways we stay in these little, these spaces of self-sabotage. And it's unfortunately bred in our society of being individual. And this, there's like, seems to be a crown for the person who can like do it themselves. I was so independent. I was so strong. Like, look at me. I did it myself. Oh, you're so amazing. Like, 
I'm so glad you're probably fucking burnt out and exhausted, (laughs) right? There's actually not, there's not like a hierarchy to if you don't do it yourself, then you're shit. It's like, no, you can go, you know what? I'm actually really struggling. And for me to move forwards, I actually need some support right now. I need someone to give me perspective. I need someone to help me. And that's the strength, right? There is no strength in, I mean, there is a strength, but over time it leads to a weakness in like just muscling up and armoring yourself and protecting yourself and feeling vulnerable and feeling weak because you have to ask for help. It's like, actually, it's so uncomfortable for me to ask for help. That is my stretch point And that is where I will actually find true strength. All right, final three. Hustle too much or flow too much. So this either spectrum, guys, all of everything is on a spectrum. So we can push really hard and be the high achiever, overachiever, do, 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 do. Amazing. And this is me. I'm the hustler. I'm the overachiever. I was the hustler. I was the overachiever. Language, Caitlin. (laughs) I have the capacity to just get things done. And it is my strength. And it can also be my weakness, right? Because I don't allow myself enough flow, enough chill, enough just being. And that's something I've really worked on this year. And then there's the opposite of like, I'm just in flow and you never get anything done. This is like when we're too tapped in to, it's not even like too tapped into the feminine. It's being in like uh, unresourceful, toxic. I don't really like the word toxic for that, but like unhealthy feminine where it's just like so much surrender that you take no responsibility for your life. And to get things done, like we need to instigate it. We need to go and do that. And the trust, the real feminine energy is in using my masculine to complete X, Y, and Z task. And then using my feminine knowing, cool, I did what I did. And now I get to relax and just reap the rewards. So it's a balance of these. Yeah. Yeah. What do I need to nurture myself, to love myself, to have that flow in life and not be too contracted and too like, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And if something goes out of order, like I have a breakdown and also to get ourselves up and to do what we need to do to live the life we want to live because no one's going to do it for you. All or nothing mindset, very similar to hustle or flow by A lot of us will resonate with this in lots of areas of our life. Like I'm either going to eat all the healthy food or I'm not going to do any of it at all. I'm either going to go to the gym all the time or I'm not going to go at all. I'm all in or I'm all out. And this is not how life works, right? Things take time. And when we have that amount of pressure of I'm all in or all out, then we usually want to rebel against it. And we usually feel our shit when we don't do anything. So it's like slow and steady, small steps, win the race, always. And the final one is denial. Denying that you have any self-sabotage is very unlikely that you actually don't have any, right? It can be the smallest little things. And even to this day, I can be like, yeah, (laughs) I sabotaged myself through still wanting to work too much when I could definitely take a step back through mentally masturbating on oh my God, like what happens if it ends? What happens if my business fails? What happens if this? Da, da, da. Like I can go into those thought patterns and know that that's a sabotaging thought pattern and then go, cool, this is, this is what's coming up. Let's move out of that. And I may need to do that on a daily basis sometimes. And that's okay. Yeah, it's just awareness first. So why do we do this? 
generally shadows <laughs> and having this story. So we have all these stories about certain things and how we think we should be in this world, uh, especially like we should eat a certain way and look a certain way and work a certain way and have success a certain way. So we have all of that sort of conditioning playing out. And then we've got the shadows of, okay, well, I have all of these parts and I don't like these parts and I think that they make me unworthy. And then we have these stories and we are, most of us are coming from a place of, I don't deserve it. I'm unworthy. I can't handle it. I have to be a certain way to be acceptable. I don't deserve happiness. Like there's so many of these things that are playing out underneath the surface that are the reason we sabotage. And so the important thing here is not looking at that behavior and going, well, this is what's wrong. This is the problem. No, we step back and go, well, what story is driving this? Why am I procrastinating? What am I afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid that if I am successful, then I'm going to get all this judgment and I can't handle it. Well, what are you afraid of them judging? Blah, 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 blah. Right. And then you come into an acceptance of those pieces and then you won't be afraid of people judging them. And then you'll find yourself not easily just like taking action. It's still probably going to take like a bit of kick up your ass of like, okay, cool. We've cleared the thing. Now I need to do it, even if it's fucking uncomfortable. And the more you do things that are uncomfortable and hold yourself in that, you build your self-trust muscle. You build your ability to go and do the damn things and know that you've got your back. Yeah. The other things that, so once we've done that underlying work, we also need a toolkit. And when we have a toolkit, and because as I said, like we can do the underlying stuff, but then it's like the store, the emotions in your body will still be there because you haven't taught your body to respond a different way to handling criticism, judgment, and fear. So we have a toolkit to help our body learn how to deal with these things. And this is our emotional embodiment practices. It's journaling practices. It could be tapping. It could be dancing. Like it could be so many things. So making sure you have a toolkit to deal with what comes up when you find yourself sabotaging or the feelings just before you sabotage, learn to deal with those. And then that will let the behavior go. And the last reason why we do it is that we just don't have awareness of the problem or why we're doing it. And this comes back into the denial. Yeah, because when we deny, we can't get into the deeper layers and to understand. So how do we solve this? <laughs> Obviously, build awareness. <laughs> if you've resonated with these, any of these or all of these, beautiful. I want you to go underneath that. Okay, why? Why am I doing this? What am I really afraid of? What don't I think I can handle? And how can I change that story? How can I change the way my body responds to things? And clearing the underlying judgments or fears through the shadow work, through clearing work, it's always a big part of mastery internally is that we actually do go in and clear these parts that we're afraid of people judging because we are simply judging them. We're afraid of our triggers and people triggering them. It's like, well, let's just clear the trigger so we don't have to be so afraid of that and have the toolkit that if the trigger comes up, we can handle it and move through it. That's the strategies. Have those strategies and also have patience. You got to have patience. You took however long to build these behaviors and to use them as a coping mechanism to avoid discomfort within you, to avoid feeling a certain way or to avoid 
whatever it is. And so have patience with yourself as you move through these things. And be kind and compassionate, right? Shaming yourself and guilting yourself and making yourself feel bad is never going to get you to where you want to be. It's going to trigger more uncomfortable emotions. And when you're in discomfort, when you're uncomfortable, what do you do? You sabotage because it's like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't deserve to feel good because I always feel this way or I think this way or like whatever the story is, meet it with compassion. Because when you're in compassion, you are far more likely to take action towards things that are going to make you feel good. Beautiful. That's self-sabotage. My darling, self-mastery. We start October 17th. So the countdown is on to get through those doors. It is a two-week accelerator. And we will be looking at the tools, the strategies, and all of the things that allow you to make these changes within you so you don't end up stuck in self-sabotaging patterns. Right. And as I said, it's not that we never self-sabotage again, it's that we don't get stuck in those patterns. And we talk, I'm sure like if you're in this world, you've heard about like quantum leaping and collapsing timelines and all of those sorts of things that happens because we stop getting stuck in sabotage. It's not that we don't do it. We just don't get stuck in it. I see people procrastinate and go in these cycles for like years and years, like 10, 15, 20, 30 years. That's why they don't collapse timelines because they're actually just not moving themselves out of things fast enough to bring in what they want faster. So if you want to actually collapse timelines, you have to learn to master your inner world, to master your stories, to master your emotions so you don't get caught up in all of these behaviors that keep you stuck exactly where you are. So come join me for that. Show It's in the show notes. If you have any questions, DM me. If you've loved this episode, please leave a review and share it with someone you know it can help. All right, my darlings, I'll talk to you all next week.